You have been listening to sermon audio from Day 3 Church. We invite you to join us for one of our worship services. For more information, visit day3church.com. Good morning. We're doing a series that uh, this week I, I felt led definitely will last through August. Uh, was just going to be June and July, but it will be next month also. And the series is entitled Jesus Said It. And kind of the premise of that um, is that Jesus, really he said a lot. <laughs> uh, all the Bible is his word because he's God in the flesh. But literally some of the things that he said when he was here on the earth, I'm afraid sometimes we take it as good information. We we take things that he says to us as informational when we need to allow his words to be transformational. We, we need to allow what he says to us to be more than just, well, that's nice, you know, Jesus said that, or knowing that it's something Jesus said, but we need to allow things that Jesus said to heavily influence and guide and instruct our lives. So that's what we've been doing all summer, looking at, at various things that, that Jesus said. The title of today's message is this, Jesus said, deny yourself or deny self. And listen to what he said in these verses, in Matthew 16, verse 24 through 28. Then Jesus told his disciples, uh, let me stop, and I want you to really focus on that for a moment, because who he's talking to will be central to how we apply this uh, later on in the message. So Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will the profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his life? Or what shall a man give in return for his life? Now, depending on your translation, uh, you may have a translation that says, what would someone give in exchange uh, for his soul? The word life that's earlier in verse 26 and the word at the end of verse 26 is the exact same word in the Greek, which means life uh, on it. For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he'll repay each person according to what he's done. Truly I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Now to get a clear understanding of this, we need to see the context as to why Jesus is talking about denying self. Something happened immediately previous to these verses that causes Jesus to focus on how we as his followers need to deny self. Look at the verses previous to this. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and be killed and on the third day be raised. Now, you got to love Peter. Probably most of us love Peter for various reasons and regrettably, he's a lot like us, you know, a lot of times. Uh, he, he acts and then he thinks about it later. <laughs> so Peter does this. He, he kind of takes Jesus aside because he didn't like what he had just heard. 
that Jesus is going to be arrested and be killed. So it's like Peter's taking Jesus off to the side to give him a little bit of advice, uh, giving God in the flesh advice. And he says to him, like a rebuke, Far be it from you, Lord. This shall never happen to you. Peter, out of natural concern for Jesus because he loved him, he just said, no, this, this can't happen. And the response that Jesus gives might blow us away, but it also sets the, the background as to why Jesus starts teaching the disciples about denying themselves. Because Jesus turned and he said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You remember him doing that one other time when Jesus was in the wilderness being tempted and Satan was trying to persuade Jesus to take a different path? See, Peter's guilty of doing the same thing. Sure, he's probably being used by Satan here, but he's guilty of trying to be a hindrance or a stumbling block to the very reason why Jesus came. And he says, you're a hindrance to me for you're not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. So the reason Jesus starts talking then about denying yourself is because one of his disciples, Peter, had just told him, oh, you don't want to suffer, we don't like suffering, that's the wrong thing for you to think about. So Jesus, in essence, realizes he needs to get his disciples to clearly understand how necessary, how strategic it was that Jesus would come and suffer for our sins on the cross because without that, we're lost without any hope. But also for him to teach his disciples how important it is for them to view in their own lives that they would deny themselves and put God's purposes ahead of their own purposes. Last week we talked about Jesus saying, it costs to follow me. And we don't like that thought. We don't like that idea because we kind of like just for, well, I'm following Jesus, so it's going to be a cakewalk, a rose garden, everything's going to be smooth and no problems. But if you'll read the Bible honestly, I don't think you'll see that is always the case with those that follow Jesus. And what we're talking about today is foundational to the cost issue. Because you see, if, if, if you and I don't have the attitude that we're willing to deny ourselves in order to follow Him, then we're not willing to pay the cost. Because we're focused on self instead of being focused upon what His will is. We're living our lives for ourselves instead of living our lives for what His purpose might be. That being said, in these verses, we're going to gain some images or pictures today of, of what it looks like to deny self, because that's literally what Jesus tells his disciples to do. And that means if you and I are a Christian, if you're a follower of Christ today, that means also it's applicable to your life, because he's telling us as disciples what we need to do. Here's our first image. Image number one is this. Denying self is seen in the image of following Jesus. I mean, these two things kind of you know, go hand in hand, feel like a, like a glove. I, I'm not going to follow Jesus as I should, and you'll not follow Jesus as you should unless you're denying yourself. 
Because apart from us having the willingness to deny self and put Him first, then we'll be living our lives for our own purposes, for ourselves, as opposed to living our lives for Him. So an image of self-denial is simply seen in the fact that you're following Jesus. The fact that you're following Jesus means that He's more important than what you want. What His will is for your life is more important than your will for your life. Look at what verse 24 tells us. Then Jesus told his disciples, once again, he's talking to those that were following him. And he tells them, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. That phrase there, if if anyone, is a compound Greek word. It's two words in our English Bibles, but it's really one word in the Greek. And, And the first part of the word literally means that there's a condition that's taking place. There's a condition that will take place. If we're really going to follow him, taking up the cross means dying to ourselves and bearing his reproach. And there's a condition that will take place. Denying self is a requirement for truly following Jesus. Denying self, to begin with, is a requirement for truly following Jesus. Like I said, it goes hand in hand. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself. The compound Greek word that I started to mention a moment ago, the first part of it means a condition. The second part of the Greek word means some or any person. So what Jesus is literally saying is this. If we are going to follow him, if we're going to be his disciple as we should, not the way you think it ought to go or the way I might think it ought to go, and put conditions ourselves on following Him. Here's what Jesus says the condition is. The condition of you and I truly being a follower of Him is to deny ourselves. It's for us to be willing to deny ourselves. If anyone would come after me, He says, let him deny himself. And that phrase means this. In the original Greek that Jesus is speaking here, it means to deny utterly. It means to disown, to to abstain. It comes from a root word that means to off or away or to contradict or to disavow, to reject or refuse. It's built on an additional root word that gives the idea of pouring forth or pouring out. So stay on that word study here just for a moment and think about that. If I'm denying myself, that means I'm doing it completely or utterly. It's like I'm disowning who I am for who he is. I'm disowning what I want for what Jesus wants. It means all for a way. It's, it's like I'm, I'm taking you know, my own personal will and I'm casting that aside in order that I might follow Him and live the way He wants me to live and follow Him and live out His purposes. It's like I'm contradicting myself. You see, it is a contradiction if you think about it because the whole world makes it sound like live for number one, right? Look out for number one. Live for yourself. But really, the contradiction of that is this. I, I, instead of me living for myself, I need to live for Him. It's like I'm disavowing myself in order to vow to live for Him. I'm rejecting what I want, refusing what I want, in order to live out what He desires in my life. And, and maybe the best picture you get from it is, is the, the furthest root word that the word was built on. And that's the reason I put it up here. It gives the idea of pouring forth or out. Really, the idea is this. You and I have to empty ourselves of ourselves in order to really follow Him as we should. It's like I have to pour out who I am, pour out what I want, and be filled up with what His will is. 
and fill my life up with His purpose instead of just trying to live for myself. That's what Jesus is, is telling His disciples here. He's letting them know that it's a, a requirement in order to be a total follower of Jesus. Denying self is also represented in our willingness to take up a cross. Jesus said, deny yourself and take up his cross and follow me. That's a picture of what we need to do in order to truly be followers of Jesus. The, the words that he uses there, take up, literally means to you know, lift up. You're, you're actually having to go through the process. You're, you're picking something up. It's, it's not just something that's there. You, you willingly and volitionally decide to pick up whatever it is that Jesus is asking you to do to follow him. The word was also used sometimes to talk about pulling the anchor up for a ship and that set the ship free to sail. Just maybe our lives would be a little bit freer if we take up what he wants us to take up. The cross, of course, just means that stake or post that they would nail someone to, that they would crucify someone. It was a, a picture that Jesus has given here that he's using for self-denial. Doctrinally, it, it talks about his atonement that he made on the cross for our lives, but here he's using this phrase as giving us a, a picture of what self-denial is all about. And then this word in this series that we're doing, Jesus said it, just keeps popping up when he says, follow me. And the word literally means to be in the same way with, to accompany. I need to get in the same way, get on the same path, the roadway with Jesus, and follow Jesus the way that He wants me to follow Him, and allow following Him to take me where He wants it to go. Now, having said that, let's, let's break all that down a little bit. What does it mean to take up your cross? Have you ever thought about that? What is meant when Jesus says, take up His cross? If you're going to follow me, whoever's going to really follow me has to take up His cross and follow me. Well, let me tell you what it, it doesn't mean to start with. Because I've heard people do this kind of all my life. Well, I guess this is just my cross to bear, you know? Uh, like, you know, someone that maybe is handicapped or they have a disease or a sickness or whatever, and, and they'll say, well, this is just my cross to bear, you know? Or, or, or some kind of, you know, constant relational problem with someone at, at work or whatever. Or, you know, you know, maybe, you know, maybe it's your, you know, your sinuses, you got post-navel grip, and you think this is my cross to bear. Or maybe it's your husband or your wife, and you think, man, my husband and my wife my cross to bear. And if you think that, don't react right now because you'll get in trouble. But, but you see, none of those things, have you heard someone say that before? Well, yeah, I guess it's just my cross to bear. If when you say that, you're focused on something that you're just facing in your life, you've missed the whole point of what Jesus is saying. Because if you think your cross to bear is something about you, you've missed the point. And if you're saying, well, it's my cross to bear because of my, my handicap or my job or my, my poverty or whatever it is, you're not beginning to apply it the way Jesus meant it here because the very nature of the fact that you're talking about stuff you're facing means you're still focused where? On yourself. So that's not what Jesus means by take up his cross. What Jesus means is this. We're to take up his, our cross, which utterly means this. We're putting Jesus first. We're denying self, putting him first. And whatever it is he's wanting us to do, we're picking that up and we're following him 
and we're going with it. That's the picture that's being given. It's not like there's some terrible circumstance in your life and you're just saying, oh, you know, poor me. This is my cross to bear. Misses the point. The point is Jesus has to be first. The point is we have to focus our lives upon following him. You see, denying self is the context that's being used here. And we cannot be denying self as long as we're talking about self. Jesus is teaching us that we need to follow him. Now, for some of us, taking up the cross still sounds neat. Because, you see, in our culture, in this day and time in which we live, most of us view the cross as something that's really great, you know? And it is because, I mean, Jesus died for our sins on the cross. And you know, we'll wear crosses as jewelry and all kinds of things, you know, like that. Or, you know, be a pastor that some people think's lost his mind, get a cross on your arm or something. I don't know. But, but, it, but it seemed like a really neat thing in, in our culture, you know, thinking about carrying the cross. Problem is, at the time Jesus said this, it was completely understood just to be a means of execution, a means of suffering and pain at the time Jesus said this. Matter of fact, the cultured Romans thought it was even improper to speak about the cross in public. It was against the law for a Roman to be crucified because they only reserved crucifixion for their enemies. And to a certain degree, it was designed because they would make the person carry their own cross. It was designed to show that no matter how rebellious they'd been, how many laws they'd broken, how much they hated the Roman government or anything else, in that moment in their life, they're being submissive to the Roman government because they're forced to carry the cross, their own cross to their execution. So just maybe the image that Jesus has given us is really this. You and I... Taking up our cross is a picture of you and I being submissive to Jesus. We're being submissive to His will. Just like a person was submissive to the Roman authority when they're carrying their own cross, the fact that you and I take up a cross and follow Jesus is a sign that we are submissive to His authority over our lives. I think that's kind of central in what he's talking about here is he's telling us that we need to take up a cross. Something else about taking up the cross you need to recognize, and that's this. You can't take up a cross for somebody else. Jesus said, if anyone come after me, let, let him, let that person, let that individual take up the cross. I cannot take up whatever cross it is that he's calling you to and carry it for you. You can't take up whatever cross that he's calling me to, you know, whatever it is, and you carry it for me. Now, are we supposed to be concerned for each other, love each other, care for each other? You bet we are. The New Testament is filled with places that because we're in community with each other, fellow believers, we're supposed to be transparent and share with each other and pray for each other and understand what other people are going through. That's all in the New Testament. But that still does not mean that I can take your place and do what God's called you to do, and you can't take my place and do what God's called me to do. Also taking up the cross to follow Jesus means that I need to understand and you need to understand it will cost me something to follow him. Remember what we're talking about? It was a thing of suffering, a thing of pain. For somebody to, to, 
to be crucified. That, that's why Peter, one reason when, when Peter heard Jesus talking about being arrested and, and taken you know, in Jerusalem and, and tried and then, and then died. That's one reason he was so against it. It's, it's really just a, a natural human reaction, to be honest with you. Because none of us necessarily want to say, hey, I want to suffer. Amen? Don't believe me? All right, let, let's say we do this. After the service is over, we're going to form two lines outside. One line, if you get in that one line, we're going to give you a spa day somewhere, and they're going to pamper you and take care of you and everything else. The other line, if you get in that, we're going to flog you, beat you, and nail you to a cross. Which line are you going to get in? So our, our, our human nature is all here. Yeah, I'm going to the spa. Some of the guys are thinking, I ain't going to no spa. <laughs> well, we said we'd give you NASCAR tickets or something, you know. But you get the point. It, it is something kind of natural for us to not want to suffer. And, and that was just a natural reaction that Peter was having. But by doing so, he's missing the point of God's will. He's missing the point of God's purpose. Jesus even told him, said, Peter, you're thinking like a man. You're not thinking like God. We we need to realize up front that it can potentially cost us something, following Jesus, being in the same way with him, on the same road with him, on the same path with him as his followers, means that we need to be willing to suffer for him if necessary. I'm not going to tell you you'll have to. I'm not going to tell you you're going to have to die on a cross or anything like that, but potentially it could happen. We talked about the cost last week. You and I taking up our cross and following him gives us the idea that we're willing to do that no matter what. Jesus was being honest with his followers, with his disciples, and letting them know, hey, you think I shouldn't suffer? I'm going to. By the way, you may have to. It may cost you something. You need to be willing to deny yourself and follow me. Peter got it, by the way, later. Look at what he writes later on. Under divine inspiration, 1 Peter chapter 4, here's what Peter writes. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you. Well, you notice he did not say if or maybe. He's writing to believers in Asia Minor that we're going to be persecuted. And we're under persecution. And he's saying, don't be surprised when it happens. Now, guys, I know it was written to the believers in Asia Minor, but God preserved it in His Word for us to still read today. And we don't need to be surprised if following Jesus cost us something. See, when this fiery trial, when it comes upon you to test you, as though something strange had happened. Now, depending on who you listen to, if you listen to some of the right TV evangelists and things like that, they're going to try and tell you, as long as you're right with Jesus, that you're going to have plenty of money and plenty of health, and man, just everything's going to be great. Peter, who wrote this, wound up being crucified upside down because of his faith in Jesus. We shouldn't think it's something strange when something happens to us because we're following Jesus. And then he has the audacity to tell us this. Rejoice! Rejoice in as far as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when His glory is revealed. 
If we suffered every moment of our lives, do you understand that's one dot in eternity? And, and by us suffering for Jesus, we ought to rejoice because the suffering might be one dot in eternity, but we can rejoice and be glad in His glory forever. If you're insulted for the name of Christ, you're blessed. But in our flesh, we want to do this. If somebody puts us down because we're a Christian, we're kind of, come here and I'll show you. Don't you dare talk about me, about my faith. He, he tells us that if we're insulted, we ought to, we're really blessed because the Spirit of glory and of God rests on us. And then he says, but let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, or an evildoer, as a meddler. In other words, suffer for the right reason, not for the wrong reason. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. For it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God. And if it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if the righteous is scarcely saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. See, there's the message. When we face tough times and suffering and difficulties because we're following Jesus, what we do is just entrust the fact that we're going through it to Him because He knows about it. There's a reason for it, and we're just to keep doing good as we follow Him. More or less, He just told us, don't be surprised. He said, when it comes. He said, not something strange, but you need to expect it. He tells us to rejoice. He says, by suffering, we're sharing in Christ's sufferings. But he said, but suffer for right reasons and right motives. And then he says, trust God as you suffer. That's basically what he said in those verses. Look what else Peter wrote. So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Not only did he see Jesus suffer, he saw Jesus glorified. He saw Jesus on the other side of the cross, on the other side of the resurrection. And he understood it's worth it all to suffer for Jesus. Look what else he says. And after you've suffered a little while, aren't you glad it says a little while? Like I said, it's a dot in eternity. After you've suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be dominion forever and ever. Amen. Basically, Peter's just saying this. If you suffer, it's worthwhile. If you suffer, there's glory to come. Jesus said, deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow him. And Peter got it. Peter didn't get it to begin with, but he sure got it here. See, denying self is, is a very image of following Jesus. Second picture you need to get this morning is this. Denying self is seen in the image of finding your purpose in life through Jesus' purpose in life. Denying yourself. Doing that. That gives us an image of what it's like to figure out what your life is for anyway. Denying yourself is all wrapped up in us finding what our purpose of life is by discovering there's a purpose that Jesus has for me. There's a purpose that Jesus has for you. And you're willing to deny yourself so you can figure out what your life is really about. And it's tied up in His purposes. Look at what He says in verse 25 and 26. 
For whoever will save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his life? Or what shall a man give in return for his life? I don't think Jesus, when you consider the context of it, while potentially, you know, you can lose your life for following Jesus, and some of the disciples did, a lot of them did, I don't think that's the context of what Jesus is really saying here. And uh, I've heard it stated the opposite a lot, and, and you'll see what I'm talking about as we, as we go through this. But rather than Jesus here saying that because you follow him, or if you're trying to save your life, you're trying to protect your life from death, or if you lose it, if you die for me, you actually save it. I think there's, there's some more practical things that are going on here that, that maybe we wished it did say the other thing. Because to be honest with you, it's, it's kind of easy for us to sit back and say, well, I'd die for Jesus. And it's a little bit more difficult to do what I think the context really is that Jesus is saying here. And I think he's literally telling us that we can find our purpose in life by losing our purpose for his purpose. Is the context of what he's saying in these verses. Now, to help walk us through that, number one is this. Selfish purposes results in a lost life. Selfish purposes result in a lost life. Whoever would save his life will lose it. If I am selfishly just living my life for myself, instead of it really being the kind of life that I need to live, it will wind up being a, a lost life, a wasted life. For whoever would save his life, the word save Literally means to deliver, to protect, to heal, or preserve. Lose it can mean die, as you see later on there in the definition. It means to destroy fully, to lose, to die, or to mar, or to perish. And I think what Jesus is literally telling us here as he talked to his disciples is that a life only lived for self is a lost life because it doesn't have eternal value. See why I said it would be easier for us just to say, well, I'd die for Jesus? I mean, if you try and save yourself from death, then you'll really lose your life, you know, if you're not following Jesus to that degree, or if you, you know, lose your life for Jesus, if you literally die for Him, then, then, then your life will, will be saved. You, under, you understand, I don't go to heaven based upon whether I live or die for Jesus. Me just dying doesn't get me to heaven, even though I said I'm dying for Jesus. The only thing that gets me to heaven is to quit trusting in myself and to depend totally in the finished, forever finished work of Jesus on the cross when he died for my sins. That's why I'm telling you, I think what Jesus is really talking about here is a life lived for self, is a is a lost type life. If I'm more concerned about what I want, if I'm more concerned about my hobbies, if I'm more concerned about how I want, you know, about the stuff in life I want to gain, 
If I'm more concerned about just chasing the American dream, if, if I'm more concerned about using all my time the way I want to use my time, or my talents the way I want to use my talents, in essence, by me trying to preserve what I want, by trying to save what I want in life, in my life, I ultimately lose it because there's no eternal value in it. That's why I'm telling you, see, I kind of wish, and you probably wish right now too, that the message was, well, if I die for Jesus, I, then, you know, I'll, I'll die if I have to for him. It's easy for us to say that. See, Jesus, the context is he's talking to his disciples about denying themselves. The tough message here is this. You and I, as the followers of Christ, are to deny ourselves. And that means we're living a life that he wants. Instead of trying to preserve the life that I want, I need to live the life that he wants so it will not be a lost life. And that's what selfish living does. It just causes us to to waste our lives. One of the one of the kind, another one of the way application I want to make from that is this, and this is not the main application, but I really feel like I need to make it here. If you're trying to save your life spiritually, in other words, if you're trying to save yourself by yourself, you're destroying your life because it can't happen. There's no way you can save your life yourself. It's only through Jesus. A selfish life will be a, a lost life. But Jesus' purposes result in this. Instead of living a selfish life that results in a lost life, living our lives for the purposes of Jesus results in a found life. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Now understand, you know, if somebody has so much faith that they're willing to die for Jesus, you know, they, they should. But like I said, that might be pretty distant for us and I don't think that's the immediate context Jesus was teaching. I think Jesus was teaching this. If I really want to preserve life, the kind of life that I should live, then I have to live for Jesus' purposes and not my own. Whoever loses, fully destroys, lose, die, mars, or perish, same word we saw a minute ago, his life for Jesus' sake, on account of Him, because of following Him. He said, for my sake, for the sake of me, we'll find it. And the word means to find, obtain, perceive, see, get. The, the context that Jesus is saying here is He talks about denying self has a more practical application than just saying, if I die for Jesus. I think there's an application here that Jesus means for His disciples, and He means for us today, that we totally miss a lot of times. And that is simply this. I need to live for His purposes and not my own purposes. And when I do that, I will see, I will get, I will understand what my life is about to begin with. He'll talk about gaining the whole world in just a moment. You know, what would it matter if you can gain the whole world and, and, and lose your life? A life dedicated to following Jesus is a found life. If it causes you to lose your life following Jesus, then it just gets you to be with Him all the sooner. If it causes you to lose your very identity, you know, because sometimes we're afraid of that, oh, I don't want to lose who I am. Hey, if you lose your very identity in life for the identity of Jesus, that's the point to start with. That's what our goal is to begin with, to lose who we are and live for Him. 
to deny ourselves and said, I want to decide and live for him. It really kind of boils down to this. Worldly purposes versus eternal purposes. What will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his life? Or what shall a man give in return for his life? If you live for worldly purposes, selfish purposes, or you live for eternal purposes, what, you know, what way should we live our lives? Several words you need to see here. Profit means to be useful. What gain is it? What benefit is it? What advantage is it to us if, if we gain the whole world? I mean, if we win, we get the whole cosmos. That's the, the Greek word that's used here. It talks about you know, everything in the world, the whole adorning of the world, everything having to do with it. See, some of you might think, well, wait a minute, I'm going to back up and think about that for a minute. That means that I can get the kind of car I want, the kind of house I want, you know, the, the kind of job that I want, own all the property I want, own all the jewels that I want, all the gold that I want, have all the money that I want. I got a newsflash for you. It's all going to disappear one day. That's not going to last. So if you invest your life into just chasing after those things for yourself and chasing after worldly things, it will not last. Jesus said that type of life is forfeiting. They're, they're injuring. They're experiencing detriment. They're casting or throwing away. They're suffering loss to what their life could really be about. The context that many times we have heard that used in is something like this. Well, if you gain the whole world and yet you die and go to hell, what would you be willing to give in exchange for your soul so you can get out of hell? You heard that context before? You've heard that? Okay. Now here, I'm, I'm going to spoil a little bit of that. Although that's true, I think if someone is in hell and they, you know, and they completely rejected Jesus, you know, they'd probably be willing to give a whole lot to get out. But that's not the context of what Jesus is saying here. Who is he talking to? His disciples. He, he's talking to people that are following him. He's not talking to people that have rejected him. That's why I'm saying I don't think the context means if you have died, lost, and you wind up in hell, what would you give to get out of hell? I don't think that's the context. I think the context of what Jesus is saying here is this. As a follower of me, if you've lived your life selfishly for yourself, and then one day in heaven you realize how you've blown it, You've realized all the reward that you have missed. You've real, you, you, you realize that you missed living a life of eternal value. What would you give then? Do you get a second chance to live your life the way Jesus would want you to? See, he's talking to disciples. If you're a follower of Christ, you're not going to hell. But you can't live your life in a way that you've wasted your life and then get out in eternity and think, my God, I should have lived more for Him. What, what would I do if I could back up and do it again? I'll be honest with you, I think that's the tougher message because it gets to where we live at, you know, as believers right now. Because I'm afraid, regrettably, most people are living their lives for themselves. 
I'm afraid even you know the, the majority of people that show up at church on Sunday are living their lives for themselves. More than they're concerned about living their lives for the purposes of Jesus. I'm 55. About the time I turned 50, about five years ago, I kind of got a little bit of a wake-up call in that. I'll probably use another one every day. But I started thinking about, and I, you know, by, by the averages, I've, I've lived more than half of my life. And then I stopped and started thinking about wasted opportunities and wasted time. And choices made to live ways that, that wouldn't honor Jesus. I became a Christian in the seventh grade. And I thought as I evaluated through that, God, I wished I could back up to about 18 or 12 or whatever. Being on this side of how old I am and how much life I have left, I wish I could back up and do it all again. That's why I'm saying the easy part of the message for us would be if he were to be saying here, what would you give to get out of hell? What would you give to get your soul back? He's talking to disciples. That's why it really says, what would you give to get your life back? After you've wasted your life, what would you give to get it back and get a second chance to live more for the purposes of Jesus? That's a lot more haunting message for me today than the other. You want to know why? I know I'm not going to hell. I know I've trusted in Jesus. If you know you've trusted in Jesus, you know you're not going to hell. But you might, and I might, get in eternity one day and wish we could back up and do some of it over again. And wish we lived our lives more for His sake than just for our own sake. Number three, denying self is also seen in the image of future eternal glory. I I love the way Jesus closes this out because he said some very tough things. I mean, he just told, you know, Peter right before these verses, get behind me, Satan. And then he goes on to talk about self-denial and how we need to deny ourselves and take up whatever the cross is that Jesus is giving you. However, you need to follow Him and follow Him and put Jesus first. Deny yourself and put Jesus first. The idea of cross brings the idea of suffering into this and what it might cost us to follow Jesus. So Jesus closes out this little message to His disciples by saying this. For the Son of Man is going to come with His angels in the glory of His Father. And then He'll repay each person according to what He's done. Truly I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in His kingdom. Two main things that we need to get before we close 
First one is this. When Jesus returns, will you be comfortable in how you've lived your life? I'm talking about as a believer. See, Jesus could come back before I finish my next sentence as far as calling the church out to be with Him. He could come back this afternoon. He could come back tonight. He could come back tomorrow. There's not anything else on the big biblical scene that has to happen prophetically before Jesus comes back and calls the church out to be with Him. So it can happen at any moment. My question is, how comfortable are you and I with that thought of Him coming back right now? Are there some things that are in our lives, howbeit just wasted time and wasted talents, that would challenge us right now to where we can't feel totally comfortable with the thought of Jesus coming back? Some of you might need to go home and throw some stuff away. <laughs> A lot of us might need to get some stuff out of our lives. A lot of us might need to get some stuff in our lives that involves denying self and following Him so we'd be totally comfortable with the thought of Jesus coming back. There might be someone here this morning that doesn't know Jesus at all. You've never trusted in Him. You should be extremely concerned about the thought of Jesus coming back. Because He loved you enough to die on the cross for you. And through Him, you can have forgiveness and everlasting life. And if you've never found that, if you've never trusted in Christ, you ought to be concerned right now that He can come back at any time. But the main message this morning is for those of us that have believed, are you and I totally, completely comfortable with the thought that He could come back right now? I long to see him face to face. But at the same time, if I'm honest with you, as I hope you'll be honest with me and with God this morning, I can't tell you that I'm totally comfortable with the thought of him coming back right now. Because just maybe I need to be denying myself more and following him more. Second thing I want you to get out of what Jesus says here is this. When Jesus returns, denying self will be fully worthwhile. No matter what it has cost you, no matter what you face by denying self and following Him, no matter what, you know, how, what the circumstances might be, how you've been hurt, even if you lose your life, whatever, it, whatever the cost is, whatever is involved in you denying yourself and taking up a cross and following Him, it will be fully worthwhile one day because when he comes back he is going to repay each person according to what he has done that has nothing to do with salvation you're not saved by works you're saved by the finished work of jesus but one day when he comes back based upon our denial of self based upon what we've done for him he's bringing rewards with us to give us for all eternity he's bringing them with him and that ought, to, that ought to thrill us and make us understand it's worthwhile to deny yourself and follow Him. No matter what it costs, it's worthwhile in all eternity. 
I already said it a couple of times. No matter what you face in this life, if you live to be 120 years in this life and you face difficulty every day of your life from following Jesus, that is a small blip on eternity. And when He comes back, He's bringing rewards that will last forever and ever and ever. Then He said this, I say to you, there's some standing here who will not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in His kingdom. A lot of people have a problem with that verse. I've even you know, seen liberal uh, commentators before to say things, well, you know, Jesus must not really know what He's talking about because all the disciples are now dead and, and He's not come back. You see, that's not what He's saying. He said, some of you are standing here that will not taste death until they see the man, Son of Man coming into His kingdom. Look at Matthew 17. You want to know what happens right on the heels of Jesus giving this message about being worthwhile to deny yourself and live for Him? Jesus takes Peter, the one who said, Oh no, you, know, you don't want to suffer. We don't want this to happen to you. And that's why Jesus gave this message on denial to His disciples. He takes Peter, James, and John up on a mountain. We call it the Mount of Transfiguration. And while they are there, Jesus is transformed. And they see Jesus in all of His glory. Matter of fact, Moses and Elijah is up there also. Peter sticks his foot in his mouth again. He says, man, this is great. We need to build a temple up here. One to Jesus, one to Moses, one to Elijah. And God shut that up real quick. And He took them out of the way to where they could not see Elijah and Moses. And He said, this is my son. This is who you hear. This is who you worship. He's the main thing. He comes first. So literally, they saw Jesus in His glory. And in other ways, they saw Jesus in His coming kingdom on the other side of the cross. Jesus taking His life back up. Jesus ascending and sitting down at the right hand of God the Father. They saw Jesus in His glory. Denying self and living for Jesus always, always is worthwhile because it leads to glory. Even if following Jesus ultimately could cost you your life, it still leads to glory. The word glory literally means this, very apparent. So when Jesus was transformed up there on the Mount of Transfiguration, it was really clear and really apparent in that moment who He was. But for us, if we will deny ourselves and take up our cross and follow Him, live for Him and not ourselves, it will be very apparent one day that it was worth it all, whatever it costs, for us to live for Jesus. Look at this chart. Jesus more or less is presenting us and His disciples with two approaches to life. You can deny yourself, or you can live for yourself. You can take up your cross, or you can ignore the cross. You can follow Christ, or you can follow the world. You can lose your life for His sake, or you can save your life for your own sake and live it for your own purposes. You can forsake the world, or you can gain the world that will not last. It's going to pass away and be gone. You can find a life that matters, or you can lose a life that matters. By living for yourself, it's a lost life. By living for the purposes of Jesus, it's a found life. 
You can share his reward in glory or you can lose his reward and the glory that's involved with that reward. So which life is yours? And maybe the better question is, is that next question, which life will be yours? Because you see, you're not caught there. No matter what your age is, no matter how much you have lived your life for other purposes other than the purpose of Jesus, as a Christian, you can change it right now. You can ask God to help you to live more for Him and His purposes instead of just living selfishly for yourself. Look at these two verses and then we'll close. Paul writes these words, I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Holy and acceptable to God. See, that's why I'm saying the big thing might be for us in our mind, well, I'll, I'll die for Jesus. How about living for Him? That's a sacrifice that He wants. Holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world. Don't be living like all the world. Deny yourself. The world tells you live for number one. Look out for number one. Go for the gusto. Deny yourself, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. In other words, how we should live instead of living for the world. St. Paul, that was inspired to write those words, wrote this. I've been crucified with Christ. Paul said, I'm already dead, so how can I be living for myself? Why should I live for myself? I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live. I'm not living my life for myself, is what Paul is saying. But I'm living my life for Christ, in, the, in that Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. If he paid the price, the cost for us, we ought to be willing to pay the price and the cost of denying ourselves and taking up whatever it is that's the cross that he wants us to take up and follow him. Let's pray. Father, Lord, I, I just want to pray to start with for anyone here that, that may not know Christ as Savior. Lord, I pray right now you'll burn them and concern them for the fact that they've never trusted in Christ. Burn them with the thought that he, he could come back at any moment. Help them right now just to admit to you that they've sinned, they can't save themselves, and to believe completely and fully in the finished work of Jesus on the cross. That through His sacrifice, His blood that was shed for our sins, we can be forgiven and have everlasting life. But Father, why I pray for anyone that does not know Christ, Lord, primarily today, God, I pray for us that know Jesus. Lord, You looked at Your disciples and You told them, that if they would come after you, if they would follow you, they needed to deny themselves and take up a cross and follow you. 
Father, right now I pray for believers in this place. Father, I pray that we'll be transparent before you because you already know it. You know if we're living for ourselves or if we're living for you. And Father, if some of us as believers are not comfortable with the thought of you coming back in any moment because we realize we, we're wasting our life, we're wasting the eternal impact that our life can make for you. We're living a selfish life that's really a picture of a lost life, lost opportunity, lost eternal impact for you. Father, if that's the way we're living, help us right now to beg your forgiveness. And Father, help us to make decisions right now, choices right now for you. To make commitments. God, help us to seal it in our hearts that no matter how much time we might have wasted in what we have already done, living selfishly in our lives, God, seal it in our hearts that from this day on, as your followers, as your believers, we would we'd deny ourselves and we'd put you first. We thank you, Father, that Jesus lets us know it'll be worth it all one day. No matter the cost, no matter the pain. No matter what's involved in us denying self. He's coming one day with an eternal reward. Father, we thank you and we long to see him one day. But Father, between now and then, help us to have found lives. Help us to live the kind of lives that's for your purpose and for your will. For it's in Jesus' name. Amen. The band plays. If you do not know Christ as your Savior, why put it off another day? Why take that kind of risk? He, he's coming back one day, and I, you know, if you're very uncomfortable with that because you don't know Jesus, and maybe you've still got questions or whatever, I, I've, we, we've got other people here besides myself that would love to spend some time with you and talk to you after the service to help you more understand what it means to trust in Christ. So if you don't know Him, why pass up an opportunity to know Him? If you feel Him drawing you to Himself, But once again, as it been mostly in this series, and Jesus said a lot to his followers that we need to pay attention to. And not because I know everything about you, but more because I know everything about me and human nature. I dare say a lot of us today are really uncomfortable with the thought of Jesus coming back and the fact that we've wasted a lot of time and wasted a lot of opportunity and wasted a lot of talent that he's given us and we've not lived for him. So it's like we're, we're losing life, we're losing potential, we're losing the chance to make an eternal impact. If that's where you are, why not come as a band plays, as a believer, and maybe just kneel and pray and say, God, forgive me, God, help me from this point on. As best as I can, as best as you empower me, God, help me to put you first and live for you. Please stand, band plays. You are listening to Sermon Audio from Basement Church. If you have any questions about God, faith, or our church, email us at info at dayfreechurch.com. And for more information, find us on the web at dayfreechurch.com.